0: Bruce Whitfield on Talk Radio 702, your number one news and talk station. Welcome to The Money Show. Good to have you with us this evening. Uh, Hamburger Dave, I love do, I do love Hamburger Dave. He listens to us every evening in Hamburg. He works at the big airport in Hamburg. Um, and so whenever we do anything on aviation, Hamburger Dave is there and he tweets away and he shares his views and his thoughts on, uh, on what's going on in the global aviation industry. He says to me, have I ever looked at flightradar24.com? Short answer, yes, Hamburg, Dave, I have. Uh, Do you see how many real flights there are? Flying is still safer than taking the train. Flying is safer than breathing, statistically, uh, Dave, and that's the thing. Um, You'll be more likely to inhale some kind of pathogen on the ground than you are to die in an airplane crash. But it's amazing how the world is completely transfixed by the world of aviation. It is still a miracle uh, to many of us that a 400-ton lump of metal with engines... Attached and uh, and two big great big wings attached can get off the ground at, at high speed and and how we can travel around the country with relative ease um, and travel around the world with relative ease you can get almost anywhere in the world nowadays within thirty six hours it is quite remarkable courtesy of air travel and the last time I had Guy Leech on the radio he was t- uh, we were talking about the fact that um, in 2012 I think it was there were fewer than two hundred and fifty deaths worldwide in commercial airliner uh, accidents well that record has been bust unfortunately with Flight 370 the Malaysian Airlines flight uh, that took off in early March and disappeared and we're still not sure whether or not we've in fact found it um, I've got Guy Leach the publisher of SA Flyer in the studio with me just take me through what we do know as fact on Flight 370
1: yeah Bruce hi good evening everyone it's absolutely extraordinary what we know the fact is we know next to nothing we, as we know that it took off we know that it reached cruising altitude We know thereafter that uh, it stopped providing a a proper radar return, uh, and thereafter it disappeared. The Malaysian military are saying that it flew low level across the peninsula and headed westwards or northwestwards, in fact, and that, as far as I am concerned, is as much as we know, the reports that the uh, the aircraft crashed in the far south Indian Ocean uh, are as yet, in my opinion, unsubstantiated. They haven't found any wreckage. They've just done some surmising uh, from the elaborate radar returns they get from the Inmarsat system, which tracks the actual return of the avionics on the aircraft. And that is far from conclusive. Initially, they were saying that uh, it could be anywhere on a huge arc extending from the middle of of Asia all the way down to almost the South
0: Pole. When we look at it, and I mean, the flight takes off on the, depends on uh, which uh, sort of which time zone you're in, but uh, we call it the 7th or the 8th of March. Um, which it was uh,
1: 5 past midnight on, I think, the 8th of March.
0: Okay, the 8th of March. We'll take the 8th of March. It takes off from Kuala Lumpur. 20 minutes later, it uh, confirms that it's hit the altitude of 35,000 feet, which is its cruising altitude. Um, and 26 minutes into the flight, um, the last ACARS data transmission is received. Um, what is the ACARS data transmission? The
1: aircraft has a system that automatically normally every 30 minutes, transmits a a health status, if you like. It it reports how the flight is going, how the aircraft is performing, with just a little squirt of data, literally like an SMS on your telephone. And that gets sent back to the the airline head office. It might also get sent back to the aircraft manufacturer, in this case Boeing, as well as to the engine manufacturer Rolls-Royce. In fact, in this case it wasn't being sent to Rolls-Royce because they didn't have that particular option selected. But nonetheless, so it, it sends out this little squirt of data, which actually means that the people on the ground have a really good idea of how the aircraft is performing often in fact better than the pilots do
0: that's quite scary okay so that that happens 26 minutes into the flight 38 minutes into the flight um, is the last contact that malaysian air traffic control have voice contact with anybody on the plane do we know at this stage who that last voice contact was with because there was some speculation as to uh, it wasn't the pilot or the co-pilot
1: as far as I know, it was the co-pilot okay, who so it signed was off rather co-pilot. informally, yes. Yeah. Okay,
0: and was sounded completely relaxed? There was no, no issues reported at that stage?
1: Yeah, the, the noteworthy thing about it was how relaxed he was sounding. He he broke strict radio procedures by signing off in quite a casual manner. But on a on a, on a flight, you know, at one o'clock in the morning or thereabouts... Everybody's the dopey. Very quiet. Yeah, mm. it's, it's, it's not unexpected to have slightly informal radio communication.
0: And then 41 minutes into the flight uh the, the 40 minutes into the flight the last secondary radar transponder contact what what is that
1: yeah the uh, the ground based radar sends a signal or or sends a a, a, a squirt of radar, if you like, up to the aircraft. And when the aircraft hears it, it then enhances the return by telling it uh, who it is, what its its code is, what altitude it's flying at, and a whole lot of other additional information, which then constitutes the secondary radar return. The the secondary radar return is done by a piece of equipment in the aircraft called a transponder, and we believe that that transponder was switched off uh, around about 14 minutes past the the hour.
0: Because at 41 minutes past So 41 minutes into the flight, the transponder and the ADSB, whatever that is, are now off. There is now the the the, the aircraft is no longer communicating in any way electronically, sending squirts of data. There's no voice. There is dead silence, and the plane is effectively not. Being seen, or is it being
1: seen still? It is still being seen by the primary radar return, which, as I said, is just the passive blip that gets reflected back by the typically the sides of the fuselage of the aircraft. Um, the, there's a little confusion creeping in here. You talked about ADSB, that's part of the transponder, which was switched off. There's also the ACAR system, and there seems to be some uncertainty at this stage as to exactly what the ACAR system was doing. Um, because although it was indicated that it, it was not actually functioning, it had somehow been disabled rather than switched off. Nonetheless, there were pings being received by this Inmarsat satellite over the South, Pacific, South uh, Indian Ocean.
0: Okay, and uh, b- very soon after that, there's, it misses its its arrival in Beijing and the search starts. Let's push pause there with Guy Leach, the publisher of SA Flyer, uh, and talk to Scully Levine, the head of flight training at Mango Airlines. This must have the trainee pilot at Mango quite um, alert let's put it that way Scully Levine good evening
2: good evening Bruce I I can barely hear you one moment I heard you very (laughs) clearly and uh, it's gone very soft suddenly okay
0: what what are the pilots at Mango we hear you perfectly by the way Um, what are the pilots uh, in training at Mango feeling about this flight disappearing
2: exactly the same amount of uncertainty that we all have Uh, no one really knows for sure but um Uh, So far, the information conveyed by uh, uh, the guy is spot on. We'd offer him a job tomorrow.
0: (laughs) I think he's busy. Um, But but Scully, in your experience, I mean, the last time there was anything this mysterious in the airline industry, to my recollection anyway, was probably the Helderberg.
2: Actually, not Bruce. Uh, They picked up a lot from the 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 Hildeberg. There was uh, there was a communication throughout the the uh, the uh, first phases of that disaster. It was only when the uh, uh, fire burned through the looms. between the cockpit and where the flight data recorder was, um, and a lot of the avionic uh, equipment, that they lost contact. So they were able to pinpoint the position where that aeroplane came down fairly quickly. It did
0: take weeks or months, did it not, to actually retrieve the wreckage, though, of the
2: Uh, Helderberg? That always would, because mm-hmm. the water is so deep. But uh, but they had a very very good idea as to exactly how far out the airplane was. You know, there were commun, uh, or, albeit that there was only a little communication. There was at least something definitive to go on. Uh,
0: how uh, I mean, how are you feeling about this story as it has evolved? As somebody who's been um, in this airline industry, you now train pilots in this industry. What is your sense? Of what is going on um, in the background of the story
2: i 'll tell you what 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 the key to this is, and that is what we what we cannot understand is why that transponder stopped emitting the signal the, the secondary radar signal that it should have, and why there was no uh, emergency call from the the pilots. Why was there this break in communication? So um, uh, uh, the the and and also had they uh, had they been in an emergency situation, then they would have switched to an emergency code on the transponder. There are three codes that that one uses. There's one for interference, one for communication, and one for an emergency. Now yeah you know, uh, no code was selected the signal was broken and we never heard from the pilots so whatever happened happened very very suddenly and also there was a change in the mode the navigation mode that was guiding this aeroplane along its track to Beijing there would have been a change in the mode to turn that aeroplane from what we call an inertial uh, lateral navigation mode to a a selectable mode, namely the heading, the way you would head this aeroplane. So the aeroplane was turned, it lost communication, and I mean uh, the, the radar signal, and then there was no word from any of the pilots. So that means that something happened very, very suddenly. Either Unlawful interference or some sort of catastrophic uh, event, electrical fire or whatever on the flight deck. But whatever happened, happened very, very suddenly.
0: And what is terrifying about this, Scotty, is this flight stays airborne and visible to ground radar for hours afterwards.
2: Right. Now, you see this primary radar, that is what the military use, because because secondary radar, what happens is you advertise your position uh, so that controllers can keep adequate lateral and longitudinal separation between aircraft and thus ensure your safety. But any intruder that uh, is coming into your airspace with uh, bad intention is picked up on primary radar. And Primary radar will only go from the radar head, will only... Uh, Uh, be able to see 200 miles out, A. B, it is used primarily by the military and it also depends on whether they have got shipborne or airborne radar, but I would think that the Malaysians only had uh, radar from their Uh, coastline looking in all directions. So 200 miles away from uh, uh, the Malaysian coastline, they would have lost contact with primary radar. If the airplane was then out, out, out over the sea, I doubt whether any of the other countries in that area had a radar that could see out that far. As far as the airplane flying at low level is concerned, Uh, At low-level jet airplanes do not achieve very high speeds, uh, and they uh, consume an awful amount of fuel. So the greatest efficiency is um, uh, achieved in terms of range and speed at high altitude. And I would think that uh, uh, the the story of this aeroplane descending doesn't really tie in with where they are looking at this point in time.
0: Scully Levine, thank you so much for your insights. The head of flight training at Mango Airlines, a fabulous storyteller and raconteur, is Scully Levine. Um, You you shook your head at times. You you nodded your head at others, Guy Leach, the publisher of Essay Flyer magazine in studio with me this evening. The reality is that the Malaysian authorities haven't got a cooking clue what has happened. They don't know where the aeroplane is. There is speculation, um, based on what, I am not sure, that it came down in the South Indian Ocean, um, sort of south southwest of Perth. Which is, and how it got there, I don't know. Give me your insights into yeah, this. Yeah, I, I think that that's hopefully a little bit harsh, Um, I I, I hope it's more
1: than speculation. It it remains extraordinary that the Malaysian government has gone out there and told the the families uh, that, sorry, everyone died without any hard evidence to that effect. We don't, or at least as far as I know, no one really understands on what basis um, the United Kingdom's AIB
0: accident Investigation Board has determined or has decided that the aircraft crashed. Because evenly. these are the guys who have now plotted a route and said this is the most likely route it's followed, and plus there is a life jacket in the ocean floating somewhere near southwest of Perth or whatever the wreckage is that they've spotted. Um, and but Bruce, if only
1: there was a life jacket,
0: that's the thing. But there they've is got there got no? Nothing. there's no physical evidence on the surface of the water, so... And the extraordinary thing is they went public last
1: night when they could have waited, in theory, another 12 hours or less than and had the, the search results go from this morning. In fact, they didn't, but the, the, the weather was too bad for further searching. Uh, and but it's
0: been complicated, hasn't it, by the fact that the weather has turned so nasty that um, search efforts have been abandoned for now. Well, there's absolutely nothing down there. It's the roaring 40s or
1: beyond. Yeah. Uh, it's it's the most uh, godforsaken place on Earth almost, uh, right down there in the southern oceans. And it raises the question, what on earth was the aircraft doing down there, uh, assuming it was down there. Uh, there? There's no rhyme or reason that one can possibly... <laughs> Possibly imagine as to why it would have turned after heading northwest, that we, we, which we believe was the last track, which Scully mentioned in terms of the, the heading change, and then
0: headed almost exactly due south until it ran out of fuel uh, six hours later. What is your best guess, considering that you've been covering the sector for an awfully long time, that there's human intervention? Scully's assertion is that whatever happened, happened really, really fast. Um, and the suggestion almost is that there was human intervention at some point in the process which led to the aircraft disappearing from the radar screens.
1: Yeah, um, my best guess is I don't have a guess. The, the, I, I'm far... Less insightful than the Malaysian government in this, because they've ventured to suggest it's in the South Atlantic. But I think there are a couple of things that we can really uh, say about it. The fact of the matter is that I don't think it was uh, it was a mechanical fault. Um, I think that the the fact that the aircraft look. uh, was tracked to continue to have flown for another couple of hours. Where exactly it, it flew to, we don't know. Um, but it seems to have stayed in the air for another couple of hours. It's extremely unlikely it could have done that with everyone on board dead, or with some major, massive mechanical failure. Let's say all the all the electrical systems out. It takes out fuel pumps and other things that have to be attended to. So it's unlikely that it could have stayed in the air for seven hours. Um, the which I think suggests. Um, enemy action if you like or hostile action or interference and again the switching off of the of the transponder certainly indicates that um, the the what the actual intent was well we have still absolutely no idea one of the things that continues to strike me about this is that there has been no emergency locator transmitter uh, signal at all uh, in fact these aircraft carry two and even if it had gone down into the bottom of the ocean and it hit the ocean so hard that the actual ELT had broken off its aerials, for instance, and hadn't successfully transmitted, it should still be sending a ping, which is a very loud ping that can yeah. be heard up to a hundred
0: kilometres away with uh, listening devices. Do do we know? But do we have to have a vague idea? It's in, within a 500-kilometre radius of a particular point that this aircraft has gone down, so we'll look there for the ping, or is the ping? Can the, can, should the ping be found anywhere in the world? No, no, you have to Atlantic be as I said, you have to be within okay. about 100 kilometers, okay, it's, first, a,
1: it's yeah. an audible sound actually, because the radio waves don't properly carry under, underwater from the, from the ELT, so it makes a, an audible ping, but you could drop a, a sonar buoy into the water which listens to them, that's that's the way they operate these things, but the point is they've got to find debris, they must find a floating seat cushion, or a whole rudder a whole vertical Absolutely. fin, as happened with Air France 447, there will be floating debris no matter how hard the aircraft hit the water
0: Uh, and this is you know up until this is a phenomenal mystery and quite an unsettling mystery for those of us who like to jump on an airplane from time to time it's unusual and it is unique in its in its characteristic but it's quite unsettling that an aircraft can disappear off the face of the planet in the 21st century in this way uh, it has, it is because we don't know, and as long as we don't
1: know, we, we can't assess the risk.
0: Because, because what I mean, air flight investigators do, and why air flight, air, air flight has become so phenomenally commercial. Air flight has become so phenomenally safe, is precisely because in each and every single air crash over the last I don't know how many decades there has been a thorough analysis of the air crash to find the causes and to avert them in future. The extent is absolutely extraordinary. Think of how hard they searched to find
1: the Helderberg. Think of how. The incredible odds against them finding the wreck of Air France four four seven in the middle of the Atlantic. No expense is spared to find results to this thing, and which is why I obviously hope that in a year or, well, hopefully in a month or two's time, we might have some real answers to this thing. But I, I think that. Uh, it's a, the worst or the, one of the biggest conundrums we've ever seen in aviation safety.
0: Um, and something completely off topic, it's related to the to the, to aeroplanes, uh, it rings a very distant bell with me, it may be louder in your head. Uh, what about the Rietbock in the 1950s? Also a mystery. would you remember something about the yeah, Rietbock? Yes,
1: so I believe it was a Viscount that crashed into the sea off uh, East London or Port Elizabeth. Uh, it, but it, it, it had no radar uh, Yes, this is the 1950s. Radar. It had, it had uh, no transponder as far as I know. It literally just disappeared into the surf in bad weather. It was not that dissimilar in terms of the sophistication uh, to the Pilatus PC-12 that crashed off Plettenberg Bay. uh, With the chief executive of Italy and staff, yeah, absolutely. Precisely, yeah. So uh, it it was that level of of tracking and technology. Uh, And again, I, I believe they found bits of the aircraft washing ashore. So they were able to say, well, that's where it went into the sea.
0: And this one, time will tell, I suspect. I mean, we will ultimately get an idea as to what's happened, I'm sure.
1: Well, obviously, we're hoping that they will find some sort of debris, um, you know, in the in the South Indian Ocean where they say it is. Of course, the complete surprise could be, well, they actually discover it hidden in a hangar in the jungles of Vietnam or somewhere. I mean, but that, that possibility seems to have been ruled out.
0: There we go. Uh, what a fabulous discussion this evening with Guy Leech, the public.